How are we doing, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Hustle with Russell. Uh, you know, podcast all fitness, business, mindset, positivity, the odd dad joke. And hopefully, by the time you finish listening to this, it will light that fire up your ass to get you to move forward towards your outcomes in life. Okay, so I'm here with Cole Gregg. He's a friend of mine, also a peer. Um, he's in one of my coaching groups, and uh, yeah, he's the head and owner of the Lean Muscle Project. Welcome, Cole. Hello. How are you? How's it going? Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, well, good. Um, I'm a half a weekend of my diet, and I. So, yeah, yeah. What 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 are we doing? Doing the um the seventy five hard, aren't we? I don't know where it came from. I feel like they just make up random rules just to like try and see if I'll quit. But yeah, it's oh. two workouts a day, sticking to a diet, drinking loads of water. Um, good. It's it's pretty much what I was planning on doing anyway. Um, but just having in a, being in a group sort of always helps, you know. Especially if you have Ryan just constantly hounding you. <laughs> yeah, what he's done for me is um. I've been doing more of like the, I stopped reading. So I wasn't doing as much reading, meditation. I'm always cool with the steps and stuff. Well, I was probably getting like two or three liters, but yeah, it's good. I'm just like pissing like a racehorse at the moment. That's all it is. See, I, I'm drinking like six liters of water a day and I find I'm not really peeing much, but I really wake up dehydrated all the time. So I think I'm sweating quite a lot. Um, I know you're very big on like getting like 10,000 steps first thing in the morning and all, but I kind of go the opposite way. Um, I tend to go loads of little short bursts. Yeah. Playing about like spiking your metabolism multiple times a day. Um, efficiency is my big game, really. Everything that I ever program or coach is all about what's the most efficient way to do this. Basically, what's the, what's the laziest way we can do this and get the most out of it? It's like my kind of approach. I like that approach. I like that approach. You were saying, like, so you drink six liters of water anyway? So I'm, I am just under 20 stone at the moment and six, six. So like, it, it, it sounds like a lot, but because I'm kind of like larger than normal humans, it's <laughs> yeah, a lot large. God, 20 stone. I, look, just going back though, I was talking to um, my female clients last night and uh, about saying to them, like, would you like to? I've, I've created kind of like a modified version of what we're doing so it's not as extreme. And then mm -hmm. they were saying about a gallon water and they asked me, like, could you die from drinking too much water? And I'm going to share my screen with you right now. I shouldn't oh, I laugh at this. this. But did you, yeah, so this woman, Jennifer yeah. Strange, died after drinking two gallons of water in an attempt, this is the part where I shouldn't laugh, to win a Nintendo Wii. Yeah, so you know, actually, this is this comes up quite a lot with uh, the PTs in the gym that I would work in, because one of them said, you know, I think they told one of their clients, like, their pee is an indication of hydration. And I was like, well, no, it's it's an indication of you know, excess minerals and electrolytes. Um Hydration isn't like this, like yes or no, up and down scale. It's more like a seesaw. It's like people die from overhydration, not dehydration. I, wa I want to say it's five or six people have died in the last 20 years um, in endurance running from overhydration. I.e., they don't have enough salts and electrolytes, as opposed to the opposite of having a lot of electrolytes and salts and not enough water. Um, so for me, I always increase people's salts. Everyone does all these like Slim and World diets and you know, they cut out salt because they don't retain as much water and they think it's class and then they all get overhydrated. And I don't know. For me personally, I, I, uh, I think it's very common sense, but then that's been something I've been preaching for a while. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. So um, tell us about the Lean Muscle Project. What's that all about? So basically it's, I'm coaching guys that are going through the mistakes that I've made. Um, I've been in the gym from when I was 13. 
No, it was 12. It was 12. It was four weeks before I turned 13. But because I was tall, I remember the girl in the leisure center was, I know you're not 14, you're only 13. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and it's like, when's your birthday? I was like, July. And it's just like June or something. So it's like, all right, okay, I'll let you in. Um, because I was tall, I got picked in the rugby team. I was like, get in the gym. And we were told, if you're not in the gym three, four times a week, you can't play. Um, obviously, rugby's quite brutal. So if we weren't bigger, we're just going to get hurt. And you play against these big farmer teams, and there's you guys are like 100 kilos. I mean, we were all like 14 years old, and they were just monsters and destroying us. So, obviously, we kind of wanted to get bigger and stronger. Um, yeah, and over the years, I've just done loads of stupid stuff and just kind of fixed the holes that I was doing. Uh, I always joke about the story I used to deadlift every Wednesday. Um, so, I'm going to school, there's no rugby on a solo Wednesday. Come home, it'd take me half an hour to walk to the gym, and then about 15 minutes to warm up. So, about 20 past four every Wednesday for about a year and a half, two years, I would attempt 147.5 kilos. Uh, and I always missed it. Every week, never caught it. But every week I used to try. Every single week I would go. It used to get so bad. There was a woman got like, she was getting personal trained on the, the platform beside me every week, same time. And I actually got to know them and their names. Um, <laughs> Chris and Michelle. <laughs> and they used to watch me every week and it took about two years until a guy in the gym came up to me and said why don't you just put the weight to 100 kilos and do 5 to 5 and then that's how I learned about progressive overload and I was like man I could have saved two years of just training like a moron um, you know I used then I worked on oil rigs and I was doing 12 hour shifts every day 13 days on one day off and I was still going to the gym twice a day because I just thought okay I'll get up at 5 in the morning train do my 12 hours go back to the gym go to bed do rinse and repeat and I just like just loved it. Pure gym, bro. Made absolutely no progress. Um, I can't remember what I've seen. I've seen somewhere or somebody on YouTube was doing like four days a week and it was all like big compounds. So instead of me going in and doing like a thousand rep bicep workouts and stuff, I just went in and done like bench press, chin ups, and then done tricep push downs or something. This was fun. It took like 45 minutes. I've done four of those workouts a week and just no progress started. It just blew up. It was incredible. Uh, and ever since then, that's kind of how I've played it. Just what's the least I can do to get the most out of it. Uh, Pareto's Law, 80-20. So it's basically just looked at, okay, what's the 80% of exercises that aren't giving me what I want and focus on the 20 that I'm getting the most progress from. And then instead of just doing those, I would double or triple the amount of that that, that I was doing. So anyone that gets coached by me will usually see there's a lot of the same things popping up all the time and practicing the skills of the same movements and you know we get better and better and better. Um, it's quite similar to like meditation you know if you if you meditate once a day it's great but if you meditate twice a day your progress will be two three two three two three times faster that's kind of how i play it Maybe yeah sure. no no it makes perfect sense I, I i love that i love that kind of whatever you want to call it philosophy philosophy creed or whatever it is you have for training and i found it myself you know i'm 35 now i've been in the gym since i was 17 so a long time and you kind of create like your own jet kundo of life don't you you take everything that you've learned from different training systems or diet approaches and come up with works best for you and you know your clients and so on so like you said like I, I like that less is more and you, you're getting progressive overload and obviously the frequency of hitting muscle so what are the main lifts that you 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 try to do or for your clients like to build as much muscle as possible in the, in the quickest time you know it's funny I can't remember what bodybuilder it was I want to say Stan Efferding and he was at a seminar and uh, do people line up and ask questions? And one of the guys had bought a program off him, and uh, he, he went up to the microphone. And he says, "Okay, listen, I, I bought a program off you, and you've only gave me four exercises for chest. Like, why? Why is that? Is that enough?" 
And uh, the bodybuilder replied, said, because if I only gave you two, you wouldn't believe me. So I'll <laughs> give you four just to make you feel better. Um, so I've always kind of went with that, you know, two different move, two different movements for each kind of movement pattern. You know, there's seven basic human movement patterns. Your vertical push-pull, your horizontal push-pull, uh, a sit pattern, like squat, a bend over, a hinge, and then a twist or a core stabilization. Um, so I've kind of went like that. So it'll be a vertical press, with shoulder press. I like push presses because I play rugby and you, you lie, you're doing like line outs, lifting, jumping, um, and tackling. It helps quite a bit. Uh, squats, so we kind of go front squats, back squats, and then you know, deadlifts and glute bridges. I like dips, I like chins, I like inverted rows or bent over rows. Just anything big, something that can pack weight on, um, and it isn't terribly complex. I think the complexity with training can come from the macro progression, you know, your periodization, rather than day to day. Guys are getting hooked up and going, What's the best bicep exercise? Like, it doesn't really matter. It's what are you doing today? What's your total training volume sets and reps compared to next week, compared to next week? Um, and I've always run off. If I give you a program, I should be able to tell you in six months time why you're doing a certain set rep weight exercise or tempo and relate that all the way back, right to score one of why you're doing that. If that makes sense. So I did, like, yeah. I did a bunch of strength and conditioning courses uh, a couple of years ago um, with one of the top S&C coaches over here, a guy called Remy. And the main thing I took away from it was you have to stand in front of this crowd of other coaches and explain your rationale behind everything. And it wasn't just like, okay, Monday we're training legs. It was why Monday we have, a, if you have a, if you have a work, uh, game on a Saturday, why you pick a Monday for legs? Why not uppers? Why not, you know, or why not shoulders that day? And then it was, okay, I'm going to do squats. We're going to get, okay. Why back squats? Why not front squats or overhead squats or goblet squats? And then you get to, okay, I'm going to do five sets of five. Like, okay, well, why five fives? Why not three eights or five tens or twenty twenties? Why this percentage and not this percentage? You had to justify every rhyme and everything across the board. But then once it did that, it made programming very easy. Because then I would look at okay, why are you doing two sets? Of, why are you doing two different bicep curl exercises? Why wouldn't you do pull-ups instead? Because you can hit your biceps and all of the upper back muscles. And it was like, oh, well, you know what that actually makes makes a lot of sense like why train to failure if you didn't train to failure you could do two training sessions for the same groups that week and hit you know 150 percent of the total training volume compared to before you know it just made lots of logical sense of why you Mm. would train this way um don't get me wrong i do love that kind of bro session where we go let's just go all out train everything to failure train like an absolute monkey (laughs) and it just feels good you know yeah no i get it i get it so like basically what you're saying is like if I if I if I train baby like potentially if I train chest to failure, it will take me so much more time to recover to get the same benefit in the next session than if I didn't train to failure. I could hit it twice as or three times more in a week than I usually would. Yeah. So if yeah. we said let's let's do a bench press workout and you moved three thousand kilos um, doing your bench press, and then that took you the full seven days to recover. Or a typical bro split workout, you know, seven full days is like a typical uh, microcycle. Well, what if you did 2,000? You moved 2,000 that day and you recovered in two days and then you had a second workout. Now you've had 4,000 kilos moved compared to 3,000. But then you could maybe train again that week and get three sessions in. Or maybe you had like a 1,000 kilo session where maybe you did dips instead of a bench press. But now you've got 5,000 total kilos moved through the pressing muscles in different angles compared to 3,000. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Even in a one week, it might not make a huge difference. But if you look at over years, your muscles are being trained to move in multiple different angles and through a huge range of like a work capacity and strength ranges and rep ranges. And it just like it gives you a more well-rounded aesthetic and performance. Like I always used to think strong men look the best out of anyone. Like don't get me wrong, not the big strong men, not the upper weight class, because obviously I think it's 140 kilos and then it's it's, it's open. Like it doesn't matter what you weigh. Oh, if it? you go to like the if you go to the hundred kilo strongman uh, events and you see those guys with their tops off, you know the way bodybuilders kind of look fluffy or like blown up like a balloon. They look like muscular, took them around to look cute, but they just look like full or something. If you ever see a like an actual strongman or a powerlifter that's lean, they look so dense. Yeah, they just look. If you hit them with a sledgehammer, it looks like the sledgehammer would break. <laughs> I always, I always just thought that was just such an attractive way to look. You know, powerful. Did you ever, yeah, did you ever see that meme when you were growing up? But it was like two guys, and it was like this cool like magazine cover guy, and he's like looks really pretty, trains to failure, or whatever. Um, I don't know, looks like a killer, but is really sensitive or something. And then the other side was just like kind of chunkier, like strong man dude. And I was like, this is the kind of guy that goes up, climbs up a, a mountain and fights bears. You're like, <laughs> you know, this one looks like he can do the job. This is the guy that does the job. And I'm like that guy that does the job, that, that does it for me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to say, the, I, I used to lecture. So I used to teach personal training qualifications. And, you know, I used to teach the students and say, look, you don't just want to be gym fit. You don't just want to be gym strong, you know? Yeah. And you can see someone in the gym that looks very strong, very athletic. But, um, you know, I, I used to say, look, like, you know, because like bodybuilding's cool, but we want to train for life as well. And I used to say, like, if the zombie apocalypse ever happens, all right, uh, the bodybuilders and the, and the fatties are going first. <laughs> it's such oh. strong athletic people that will kind of survive. Oh, you froze yeah, him. We we're back. We're back. Sorry. Yeah, we're back. We're back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. It's... um. I would always say to my guys, like, it's cool to, like, get lean. But then you're, if you feel, if you don't feel great, if you're not fit, what's the point, you know? Because you can't, it's going to take longer, but you can be lean, strong, fit, excuse me, all at once. Obviously, if you want to go to the extremes and compete, you're going to have to sacrifice different things. But you can get to an exceptionally high level. Look at the CrossFit guys. Like, there are 90, 95% of the Olympic weightlifters that are going to the Olympics. But they look good. They can run. They're mobile. They can do all of this stuff. They're just not the best at something. If yeah. that makes sense. But like, how many people can be the best at something? If I don't, if I think, okay, maybe I'll come fifth in the world at powerlifting. But if I'm willing to come eighth, I can run competitive ten k's and I can go hiking. I can like do gymnastic work. Do you know what I mean? So for me, the as you would say, the juice isn't worth the squeeze to be at the top sometimes. <laughs> Mate, I agree. Totally agree. That, that's what I'm kind of going for now. Like I, I spent probably 10 to 15 years just doing bodybuilding. Just get big in the winter, get lean in the summer, no outcome, no kind of numbers. Like I want to hit this or a time or a PB or an event. And it, it does get very stale. Um, and personally for me, it, it created like bad habits with my eating patterns as well, just because of eating a certain way and, you know, postural problems and weaknesses here and there. I never really had any injuries, but was prone to them. But, um, you know, like someone like me, for example, like I, I'm, I'm five foot nine, five, 10 with me quick grows back. Right. Okay. Before we go there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm weighing at 95 kgs at the moment. I'm around about, I'd say 18 to 20% body fat, I'd say. 
Um, and I've, I've lost a bit of muscle over the lockdown. You know, I've just been lifting some dumbbells, doing some bodyweight stuff and trying to eat a lot of protein. But I want to pack on a load of muscle when the gym's open. When I can start grabbing a barbell and a dumbbell, like going back to what you're saying about your, your kind of philosophy and way you do things, like what would you recommend? Would you recommend me doing like uh, upper body, lower body days, full bodies? You know, give us a bit of a run through. Like if I was, I was a particular, like a, a client of yours. So... With, with hypertrophy muscle building, um, we have three ways to stimulate that. We've got our mechanical tension, uh, your metabolic stress, which is a bit iffy at the moment. It's under the gun. Uh, some of the studies have came out of kind of debunked it a bit. And then you have muscular damage. Um, muscular damage would be like training to failure, doing dumb stuff like sitting on a wall, squat for ages, or like gym classes. You know where you get that real pain and burn and you can barely walk and stuff. It's not really nice and it's what most people associate with a good workout and it's actually the least efficient for any kind of progress. Um, your metabolic, metabolic stress would be your next one. That's typical bodybuilder stuff. You know, let's get a pump. Let's move the muscles a lot, create the little micro tears and you know, spell them up. Um, forget the technical word for now. Um, but the fact that the, the pinnacle and the peak, the, the, the number one for muscle building is going to be your mechanical tension. And it's just the a total uh, weight essentially put across the muscles so your nervous system has to fire harder each time it kicks in a bit more of that survival instinct of the you know the idea we're trying to convince our bodies that they're going to die they're not going to adapt unless they think that our bodies are going to go fuck here we need the adapter we're not going to be able to handle that next time yeah. i.e that's where progressive overload comes in so for me as long as we tick in progressive as long as we tick in that mechanical tension and some kind of progressive overload after that i kind of program depending on what the person wants i.e for you for instance i could say okay Go into the gym and do three sets of five back squats, three sets of five uh, shoulder press. And then depending on what I know you like after, the rest of the workout will depend on that. Um, for me at the moment, I'm in a bit of a fitnessy kick. So I'll go like you know, maybe three sets of five or four sets of six or something and some heavy movements, maintain my strength. And then because I want to get fitter, then I'll move into like a Metcon with like Rowan or it could be like high volume circuits kind of stuff you know, like superset and deficit push-ups with like shoulder presses and rows or something like that. It all kind of depends. Um, it also depends on how well you move. If you have, some people have better leverages for certain movements, i.e. my deadlift leverage is very good. I can handle a lot of deadlift volume just because I have long arms and I can sit quite well into it. Um, whereas my squat is less efficient. So I can't squat as frequently as a lot of people. You know, you always say that joke about like any people have amazing squats. Um, yeah very very typically they do have incredible looking squats you know there's not a lot of knee flexion they can stay very upright so those kinds of people they can handle like squatting four or five times a week and they'll still be fine women and lower weight class um people can handle more training volume so to be honest it just kind of depends as long as you're making progress then i would adjust week to week you would maybe hit every muscle group twice that week see how you handle it see how the second week handles and then if i feel it's necessary bump it up to three times a week but as long as we're getting that progressive overload I would say we're mostly in the right ballpark. Um, I personally, I like training four times a week and going upper, lower, upper, lower, or mixing up three full body workouts a week. I know some guys like five, typically the fifth day would be like an accessory day or something, something just kind of fun. Do you know, like yep. sometimes you want to quit and just do like, like 100 rep sets, a lap of lines, super set of bicep curls and just feels good. But typically I would give them exercises where they can't really cause a lot of damage. I like if we do dips, people, you can hurt your shoulders doing dips. Yeah. But, Doing like upper back work is very difficult to hurt yourself, you know. And then what about yeah, my, 
Yeah, no, 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 it makes total sense. Makes total sense. And like, so do you like massively favor like compound exercises over isolated for building muscle? For me personally, yeah, because I always want to have that mechanical tension. I like a bicep curl, I could maybe, I don't know, say like 20 kilos, I could bicep curl on each arm. Whereas if I do a set of pull ups, I'm moving uh, nearly 130 kilos every time I do that, or I can do bent over rows and lift like 100 kilos and do sets of 12. So the total weight moved throughout the muscle groups is so much greater. For me, the isolation exercises, like your bicep curls and stuff like that, it's more like a feel-good factor. You know, if I had someone for an hour, it'll last 10 minutes. It would just be whatever they think, whatever they feel would be good. I like a lot of guys like an arm pump or like their chest being sore. Girls typically like their legs being sore, being sweaty or the glutes being sore. So you give them something that will just they feel is good. And it's that balance because they have to enjoy it and want to keep going. Yeah, cool. So yeah, my girlfriend, she likes being really sweaty. She feels like <laughs> she's really, really sweaty. She's had a good workout. And uh, for me, my mentality is like a lot of my guys would leave the gym and not be sore, not even be sweaty. And I would say to them, our parameter for success is that each week you lift more weight. And lifting more weight each week is an indication you're going to build more muscle in the long term. Um, obviously, because photos you can't take every day. Um, yeah. But for her, then I would just throw in something stupid at the end. I'd be like, do 100 jump lunges she'd be like oh i didn't really enjoy that workout put 100 lunges at the end of it she's like oh that was a real really good my legs are really sore and like i'm all sweaty i'm like yeah yeah cool. yeah, no, yeah that's fine <laughs> yeah 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 it's important um, to give people what they want as well as what you think they need isn't it yeah it's, a, it, it's very much meeting in the middle i think yeah same as dieting it's the same as anything really um jordan peterson has a great quote and it's you treat yourself like someone you have to negotiate with like you see these people that are all like 100% clean eating, training hard all the time, and there's no negotiations. Where if you said to yourself, okay, if you train today, you can have like for well, I love do you know them Solario ice lollies. Oh, Solario? they're the best. Clippo, That's Clippo. with the, the really like creamy ice cream in the middle, isn't it? Oh no, no, so sorry. I think they're Clippos. It's like dilute juice or something, and it's like when we saw you squeeze them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. I love those. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, can you run your 5k? You can have a Clippo. Gotcha. I, I, I call things by their own name. I'm just, do you know where someone corrects you and then it's funny and they always call by their own name? <laughs> okay, no, no, that's a good way of looking at it. So, like, we'll, we'll move on to diet in a second. Like, um, so I just want to obviously pick your brains more about this. I think I find this really, really fascinating. So, like, how, how important is, like, well, not even just how important, but, like, what do you do pre and post workout, like in between? Nothing to do with nutrition, but like things like stretching, mobility, mobilization. Like, what, what do you do? You advise anything like that to to maximize recovery, muscle growth, whatever it may be. Again, it kind of comes down to it kind of comes down to the individual. If this, if it will benefit the workout directly, then I would advise it. I.e., say you have tight ankles, and if you stretch out your ankles, we'll get a higher quality of movement for your squat. We then have to balance out what do we value more, the weight moved, because obviously stretching will take away a little bit of performance. Is the weight moved the important factor of today or is the higher quality of squats? So if you were in an earlier phase of programming, um, so I follow like a Russian block periodization basically. So if we're in a general physical preparedness phase, so if you just start with me, I want you to practice the movements quite a lot, get comfortable with them, build up your work capacity generally means fitness, essentially fitness and doing your exercises. Then I would say, okay, at the moment, we want you to get fitter in each of these movements. So you being mobilized and having a higher quality squat is more important than the weight shifted for this mm -hmm. period. Whereas if you're, okay, Russell, we're going to max out next week. 
I don't want your movement pattern to change in the slightest in a peak block, in a maximum strength phase. I don't want anything to change whatsoever because as soon as you change your movement pattern, it's a different movement pattern. Like a boxer throwing a punch. Um, yeah. Who was it? Was it wasn't Jet Lee. Oh, I forget his name now. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Said, yeah. <laughs> don't, yeah. Don't fear the man that does 10,000 kicks one time. Fear the man that's done one kick 10,000 times. Similar like principle. I want all of your squats to look the exact same the whole way throughout the program. So that at the end, you know, you, all you know how to do is a perfect squat. So when I fire on like 200 kilos, it, it's easy. Um, so for me, like that kind of stretching thing, if you're going to spend five to 10 minutes stretching and mobilizing before a workout and you're willing to commit to that every single time, so your squats are the exact same the whole way throughout. Yeah, I think that's fine. It's something I would do a lot of activation work. Um, before my squats, like I have a bad pop with pace, my left knee is a bit iffy. Yeah. So I'll do like glute, glute activations, hamstring work and stuff. Not necessarily for more mobility, but just so that everything's you know working correctly as I get to it. Whereas I wouldn't have someone come in and do yoga and then go and squat heavy. If like, okay, <laughs> yeah. the, the worth the squeeze here. Um, hopefully that makes sense. Um, even nutrition wise, I think it's a bit loosey goosey again. Um, I'm the, the guys in the PTs in my gym love making fun of me for it because I'll eat like a Christmas dinner and then thirty seconds later I'll have a bar on my back. Like eating before training doesn't phase me at all. Right. Um, whereas I know some people it does. So again, it, it, it's an individual preference. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So on the diet front then, so how important is how important is the food that we put in our mouth if we want to like, you know, gain more muscle in quicker time? It's annoyingly important, is what I would say. Annoyingly um, important, yeah. I think everyone sort of understands the, the idea of calories and like if you eat more calories, you put weight on, if you eat less calories, you lose weight. Um, when you start putting weight on, this might be a bit controversial because I've got trouble for saying this before. Losing weight is easy. It's difficult to stick to. It's very mental, but it's very, very easy. It's just eat less food. Just that's it. Yeah. Whereas putting muscle on, your kidneys will is your kidneys will only process the 40 or 50 grams of protein so many every so many hours. So then we need to have protein in our systems for a longer periods of time. And then the quality of your food sources starts to matter. I I can lose weight eating McDonald's. Like me and you can eat McDonald's breakfast every day. And in six months' time, have six packs, I will be fine. However, our health markers might all be quite iffy at that point. Um, yeah, so, what it is. So for me, the kind of hierarchy I go to is your calorie balance. Are we eating the right calories? Are we in the right range? Uh, the macronutrients, then, it's sort of just is protein, really. The fats and carbs are kind of iffy. Once we start pushing more and more towards performance now i'm talking like maybe one percent of the people i've ever trained like we get to this stage you know um, i would start to look at improving the quality of these macro these macronutrients um so if i have for me i mean 2800 calories a day if i have chicken that's great but the only thing that's in chicken is protein there's not very many micronutrients and it's not that bioavailable whereas red meat high quality red meat has more micronutrients and it is more bioavailable than chicken i will perform better if i eat that um I would follow the vertical diets kind of principles, if that makes sense. So that's kind of red meat, better for us than, say, chicken. I know there's loads of back and forth in the argument, but you can still include them in your diet. Um, and then same with carbohydrates. Like if you can eat fucking like crunchy nut cornflakes every day, but a white basmati rice is going to be more easily digestible and it digests faster than in your system. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've kind of come across this, but see me in six foot six. And I started, when I started training, I was maybe like, 55 60 kilos 
I would have like I would have been the, your typical hard gainer. So being hungry was always a very big issue for me. So having something that was easily digestible, it was in and out quick, and I felt good. Like when you're trying to put weight on, like digestive issues start to become a real thing. Um, whereas red meat, white rice was just fantastic for me. Um, obviously, yep. you include some kind of fish and uh, pre-workout meal. Would you? I would suggest like a a white meat, so chicken, turkey, something like that. Because um, you see people dabbing on like sausages, like oh, turkey medallions and turkey sausages. Like you're eating like blended up turkey kneecaps, <laughs> put into some like weird intestine skin, and you're telling me that's better for you than like a bit of steak or like you know, some steak mince or something. Yeah, it's all process, isn't it? So well, you, you say like obviously the the quality and the bioavailability of the food is massively important as well. Yeah, so like you're, you're blended chicken kneecaps and all and like chicken nuggets and stuff like the taste great but like the you'll know like everyone will kind of know what I mean you get a big old dirty dominoes and then the next day you know like you know whereas for me that one of the, the biggest things that I find with this kind of diet where it's you know, higher quality by more bioavailable foods is I don't go to the toilet much because there's not a lot of waste products in it if that makes sense um being a bigger guy and having to eat a lot more food that kind of comes up a it's a bit, a bit more of a big issue and um, i actually know a lot of bigger guys have to sleep with uh, masks on their face for sleep apnea because yeah. their, their chest is so big it weighs down their uh, their lungs it's hard to breathe and wow. um, so nutrition becomes a bit more of a different ball game uh, with muscle building and performance kind of stuff it's a bit more funky uh, this makes vegetarian and vegans like the bane of my nutritional existence because it's so difficult to get them guys on something highly right. nutritious and high quality stuff it is doable, but God, it's a, it's a nightmare. Yeah, bread and corn ain't going to get you there, is it? Yeah, like a lot of the <laughs> kind of guys, will, they'll, they'll jump on a vegetarian diet and it is a lot of like corn, chicken, corn fake chicken nuggets. And you're like, like yes, you're a vegetarian here, but like you're, you're basically eating worse stuff. Um, yeah. So we've, um, what, what, can you explain, what, what's this vertical diet? I see you mentioned this in the group the other day. Oh, right. So uh, it's from uh, Stan Efferding. He was a, he won his IFBB Pro Bodybuilding card and six months later broke, I think it was four world powerlifting records, which the, the turnover from the two is, is incredible, is extreme. Um, and it's basically the dad that he follows. He coached Thor Bjornsson, Camille LeBlanc, Larry Wheels. Um, if you're ever a fitness memer, you'll know who Larry Wheels is. The guy is just an absolute monster. What's his name? Larry Wheels? Larry Wheels, yeah, you, you got it. He used to train in, I think it was Brooklyn, and he had this. His mate was called Black Tom Cruise, but he would he would be like his hype man in the background. But I mean, like you're talking stupid stuff, like Barry, Larry. He rings If you mentioned like 300 kilos for like sets of six and stuff, or he would deadlift, and the plates would go all the way over. But like your guy Black Tom Cruise would be in the background going, yeah. <laughs> but like you know, when Avengers was coming out and all, they'd be shouting and screaming, pretending they were training to fight. Uh, Thanos and stuff and like, <laughs> but you know they would make it funny but you'd look in the background and like Larry would be deadlifting and like 400 kilos for sets of 10 and like uh, you know that I would the number to me but like but it was incredible lifts and um, but the guy looked like he could step on stage at any given point like, it was just ridiculous um so Stan Everding wrote his vertical diet 1.0 I don't know say like five or six maybe seven years ago yeah um, he's on he's on number three at this point um and it's basically that idea of bioavailable food that's easily digestible. Um, and then 
I don't know if you've ever looked into Strongman a lot, but a big thing with them is if they compete in, say, like Singapore, if Eddie Hall goes from, you know, England over to Singapore, his stomach isn't used to digesting the foods that they eat. He doesn't have the enzymes. So it like wrecks havoc on his digestive system, which is, you know, for him, it's going to be a way bigger issue than it is for me. Um, so it's the inverted idea of that. So instead of having loads of different foods and variety, yep. you eat the same foods but your stomach develops more and more digestive enzymes to eat this food and digest it quicker and quicker and quicker. Essentially, you speed your metabolism up. Um, so if I eat like I don't know, one cup of rice and a steak and I have that four times a day, in a couple of weeks, I could have maybe double that. On the way. <laughs> he's, quite, he's quite short, isn't he? Mate, I, uh, I was his coach, mate. That's where that picture's from. That was just after a session. I don't believe you. <laughs> no. Believe you. <laughs> he was in South End. It was um, at this casino called the Royal Hotel. And it was like uh, an evening. I got like a signed photo. A guy I know had a signature on his calf and got it tattooed the next day. But yeah, anyway, I just had to show you that. Like, you know, me and Eddie ah, go way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're saying about like this, this vertical diet, more bioavailability. So like... What about like, so you said about like enzymes and foods and stuff. So we see it in the media all the time, don't we? About like, like avoid red meat and things like this. Like what's your thoughts on that? Or, or if, if it is true, quote, like what's the way around it or the quality or where do you source the foods from to make sure? Because I'm a big meat eater. I could eat enough. I could pretty much eat steak, prawns, avocado, burgers. I could, I could literally live on a carnivore diet. I wouldn't miss any other things. So. The, the big thing that sort of could swayed me towards the vertical diet at the start was when Stan Effling was coaching Thor Bjornsson. Yep. He's like super tall, super fit, all stuff. When he competed against Eddie Hall, Eddie Hall was obviously an absolute unit, but he wasn't lean. He didn't look like an athlete. Thor Bjornsson was 180 kilos with a six pack. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, this, this, there's something here. Um, so I started looking at the, the vertical diet. The whole way through the book, half of it is hyperlinks to the studies that back up what he's saying. So it's like, he was saying something. Obviously, he's not a, like incredibly well-educated. He's not like a PhD kind or something. He's like, yeah, I read me this. People say this. Here's the studies that are against their son. And it's, it was years ago when I read the book, but I recall it was something along the lines of the studies on red meat and high blood pressure. There was like a link between the people that they'd done the studies on weren't really active. So yeah. it wasn't they were they weren't like healthy normal people. Same as salt. Most of the studies done on salt were with inactive people. And I was like, well, if you exercise more, you're going to need more salt, you know. Um so the book was like that. It's a lot of like hyperlink stuff. I can send it later. It's about 300 pages. There's a lot in it, like, but it's all very simple um stuff, but well explained and how it does it. I think with the media as well, like everyone seems to forget people are on social media to sell stuff. The yeah. news isn't here to tell us the news. The news is here to sell us newspapers. That's it. You know, and it's whatever sells, that's what they're going to use. Um, I know my girlfriend, she's always like, do you think this fitness girl edits her photos? And I was like, Elle, you edit your photos, make your teeth look whiter, and you've got 500 followers. This bitch has 50,000. She's trying to sell you a slimming package, and you think she's not going to be editing her photos. It's like, of course she's editing her photos. Everything's a lie. Um, so true. So for me... For me, I kind of went off how I felt. Whenever I first done the this kind of diet, I felt amazing. Like my digestive issues were all gone. I felt lean. My lifts were going up. I felt fitter. Just all around, I just felt so much better. And like, not clogged would be the way I would describe it. Like, it just felt like everything flowed a bit better. I could move better. Things were creaking all. Um, 
I've never really sort of looked back any kind of getting into a serious training phase. This is this would be my go-to essentially. Um, yeah, I know. I enjoy the takeaways and all that kind of stuff as much as anyone. I'm Irish, so <laughs> I've been years now. So <laughs> I'm not going to be on World's Strongest Man, and I know that. I'm happy enough to not be on World's Strongest Man. So I would follow it semi-regularly, um, and I would definitely say it's a lot to do with my progress. Um, I know Stan Everything talks about he started training and didn't make any progress for years, which obviously I can uh, connect up with because that was similar to me. And then he started eating like farmhouse foods, you know, steaks, chicken, like whole stuff, things your granny would make and a roast, meat and two veg, all that kind of stuff. And when I switched over to that, same idea, started blowing up, started doing the steak and, and uh, white rice stuff, again, blowing up. And I've been a whole bunch of stuff. But eventually the idea is that as you eat the same foods, your metabolism speeds up and you digest it faster and you can vertically stack loads and loads of foods. Um, whenever I was at my biggest, so that was about four, three, four years ago, I was coming in with those big, massive lunch boxes just filled to the brim with red meat, rice or red meat and potatoes. Um, I think I was sitting on like eight or 9,000 calories, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was terribly lean, but it was definitely had a flat stomach and it was like as strong as I've ever been. But it was just insane, vertically stacked. I couldn't believe it worked. Um, but obviously I don't have like the scientific backing and all that stuff. So I'm not saying yeah. for everyone to kind of try and do that. But uh, for me personally, I felt incredible. Um, and everything he has in the book is all linked to the study to prove it. And what's the name of that book if anyone wants to get it? Oh, I think it's like 300 quid. <laughs> it's uh, it's a 300 quid diet, book. The Vertical Diet Peak Performance. Uh, yes. It's, uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of it. There's, there's yeah. a lot of it. Well, it seems like it's a worth, worthy investment if that's, uh, if that's your go-to. Or, uh, or you could hire someone that knows all about it already, eh, Carl? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, a muscle I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of coaches. I think I have four at the moment. Three or four. I, I pay a monk to coach me at the moment. But this is the thing. Someone said to me uh, once, there's a Fit Pro Mentorship Review Group on Facebook. It's basically all these like PTs and coaches and they go in and say, oh, I joined this group or I joined this. And it's... And uh, this Russian guy basically said to me, it's a bunch of people that are too afraid to pull the trigger and sit and whinge with each other and become victims and losers. And I, was <laughs> I like, got thrown out of it. I got yeah, thrown I out. Like, Literally, yeah. I got thrown out of it about five, four or five years ago. So basically I, I had a coach. He was my first coach. And this guy was, uh, it was called the, the oh, I can't remember what it was, but the guy's name was Simon Lovell. I don't know if you've heard of him, but... He now lives in San Diego, he's from Bath, and he did incredibly well. Uh, he wrote this book called The Lunchbox Diet as well, which was back in the day when he was a PT. And now he's like a multimillionaire. It's opened up facilities abroad, like in, in the States and stuff like that. Anyway, so he did this, um, I think it was called the Fit Pro. Uh, what was it called? I don't know, but it was just like a packed for you system. And it, 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 was, uh, it was a 5K investment. And this was way back in 2014, I think it is 2015. And he would take on like 30, 40 clients every single month and then do them in blocks of 12. And, you know, so he, he was raking it in and everything else. But, you know, everyone got the same service. They got the same coach calls, got the same system, blah, blah, blah. And out of the 30 people that are in my, in my group, there's only about three or four of us that are still working in the fitness industry now. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. And the majority of those people that aren't, they were in that in that Facebook group, and I got thrown out because I debunked a fit uh, a review. So basically, some yeah. blokes going this 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 this, and I was like, boom! And I even screenshotted my Stripe account 
because I, and you know, once again, not talk about money, but I have my biggest month, six months after working with this as a, um, uh, as a uh, group training program. So I had a group training program, you know, groups of six to eight people, blah, blah. And I made over where I wanted to get to. And I put a screenshot in there and said, look, this is what it was. I did the basics. I did the work. You either put the work in or you don't. And that's it. And then literally within about an hour, bomb, out of the group. I mean, if you ever look at the greatest coaching program on the planet was the AA. And the first rule is admitting you have a problem. You have to take responsibility first and foremost before anything else you have to accept it's your responsibility. And, you know, I like, I work in a pure gym. So we have people coming in and out of classes all the time. You listen to them. Oh, I can't do it. Cause like spin was canceled this week. So I'm not using weight. Oh, hey. yeah, that's, that's, that's not, it's not the spin classes. It's uh, you. It's like, Oh, my PT says this. Like it's uh, your PT is not following you about to do stuff. It's your responsibility, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, one of the things I've never really struggled with motivation. It's just motivation to train, you know, that, that would never be my kind of, I've always had a good why, if that makes sense. Mm. People just don't have a dumb, people have a dumb why. Like I've, I have a coach, people are like, yeah, I just want to lose weight. And you're like, well, okay, what for? Like, I just lose weight. Like, so you're going to start out a Chinese on a Saturday night and say, I want to lose weight. <laughs> that made it same, is it? Whereas no. like, if you're getting married, like I've got a couple, I've had a client before, and he told me his goal was to look good for his wedding. I went, okay, cool. So your your wedding, looking good in your wedding, your number one value and priority because you love your missus. And he was like, yeah, cool, okay. And I said, like he said, he texted me one day saying he was thinking about getting a pizza or something. And I was like, okay, cool. But if you get the pizza, I want you to text your wife that you think that you value that pizza more than your wife. You love, you don't love your wife enough to say no to one pizza. And it was ruthless. But every time he ever thought about doing something, or like he didn't do his steps, or he didn't do his workouts, I said to him, okay, so you're gonna tell your wife that you don't love her enough to go for a walk so that you look good in your wedding day. And that was his why. And the Joe what? Stuck to everything. Because it actually meant something to him rather than like, lose weight. I can lose weight every time, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. No, I love that tactic. Um, I'm probably going to nick that. <laughs> I've done brilliant. some funny ones. I, I've, uh, I had a girl once got upset because she wasn't losing weight and they made her carry a mop bucket around the gym. Why? She's crying. She's been a, she's <laughs> been a whinge. She's the like, oh, well, Woe is me, this and that. Like, okay, cool, right, carry this, right? Made it a whole hour. So they carry a mop bucket and a mop around the gym. Don't get me wrong, she was, she was good crack. Like, she, she, like, yeah, she gets the banter and stuff, like, but it was, it was more like a proving a point. If, you, if you're going to act like this, this is the way you're going to get treated. And I think that got across to you. If you act like a victim, people will treat you like a victim. And mm-hmm. um, Jordan Peterson talks about it. It's the first rule, of the, he has 12 rules for life. And his first rule is um, basically stand up with your shoulders back, I think. And it's that idea of in lobsters, the alpha male gets first pick of mates. They get first pick at food, all this kind of stuff. And it was like, well, how do you know the alpha? They stand up with the shoulders back. So if you stand up with your shoulders back, people will treat you like the alpha, even if you're not. But if you start to get treated like the alpha, I can't remember the hormone, but you start to release the hormone that makes you think you might actually be the alpha. And as time goes on, you become, you fake it till you make it. Yeah. Essentially the idea. Um, and it's the identity shift of, okay, Alpha gets first pick. I'm going to act like the alpha. So then I'm going to move up this pecking order. I, if they're going to be a victim, people will look at them. Well, they're just, there's the victim, whatever. Whereas if you're a go-getter, people will start to look at you and watch and start to try to emulate. And then eventually they'll start asking you for help. I think that's why the success stories of people dropping loads of weight. It's so inspiring to other people. Because, okay. Someone normal can do this. They've went from where I am to where I want to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's why I ask some of my clients as well. It's like when they're getting into that that drift phase, you know, as we do every now and then, and we, we have a catch up, I say to them like, you know, is what you want achievable? Yes. And then I say, do you know someone else has done it? They say yes. And then I say, is it worth it? And if there's three yeses, then usually that kind of like just solidifies that it can be done and kind of gives them that boot up the arse. But yeah, going back to like, obviously muscle, like why, look, why, why have more muscle? I know it sounds like a silly question, but like, you know, if you're in your running, this stuff, like, what's the benefit? Why should I, why should I pack on some muscle? So my story for this is going to be very different to my answer to why you should pack on muscle. Does that make sense? Yeah, go for it. Um, so I grew up in a, we had a very dark childhood. We had loads and loads of domestic violence. You know, my dad's put the head open twice, kicking me. Um, so then we got a new boyfriend. At this point was when I was about 12, 13, the kind of the age where you start knowing what's going on, but can't do anything about it. So that's why I started the gym. And my whole thing was I need to be bigger and stronger because then you can stop all this kind of stuff happening. Yeah. So for me, I can, uh, I will get like nightmares <laughs> and stuff. If I'm not training or if I feel like I'm getting skinny, I'll, I'll, this will all start kicking in and then I'll, okay, I have to go and sort this out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, super mentally, that, that, that's my kind of motivation. I wouldn't even say motivation. I like, I, sometimes I don't even want to do it, but I think I'll have to, you know, like I just do it, if that makes sense. Um, for most people, having an extra muscle just means you're like having more muscle is like having an extra kid in the house. You kind of have to feed them and entertain them and stuff. So you can eat more food in the day. You know, things aren't as tiring. You're going to look a bit better, fill your clothes out a bit better. You can be stronger. And strength is never a weakness. You know, you can be a size six and look great in a dress without looking manly, but deadlift 150, 160 kilos. And it just looks fucking cool. For guys, obviously, like being a bit bigger, there's always going to be a confidence boost filling out your T-shirt. So that macho, masculine kind of thing. Um, But general strength is always going to benefit you no matter where you are. Like at the moment, I'm coaching Phil. He's a, a long distance runner. And like, if he gets stronger, he can run faster and there's less likelihood he's going to get injured. You want to get bigger, bigger, a stronger muscle can be a bigger muscle, you know? So for me, I focus everything around strength. Strength is the, at the heart and soul of all the training, but you can get stronger and fitter. You can get stronger and lose weight. You can get stronger, increase your performance. You can get stronger and build muscle, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but the lean muscle project kind of comes from the idea of like, some people need to burn fat. Some people want to build muscle but they can always get strong and it's always a project because I'm always refining it. If that makes sense. I'm sure you've noticed at this point, I've changed about a million different things and all my clients are always on board with all these kind of changes I'm always doing to try and you know, just see, make it a bit better. Um, Cause they don't want to turn around and say, it's this kind of famous project. And that's kind of the, the idea of where it came from. You either want to yeah. get leaner, you want to pack on muscle and then it's always improving. Amazing. No, I love that. So if people do want to, um, find out more about what you do, how to contact you, pack on more muscle and um, yeah, get all the other benefits to come with it from what you've been saying. How can I get hold of you? Uh, I'm on Instagram, Kyle Greg coach. And then just my, I'm Kyle Greg on Facebook. That's where you'll find me most of the time. Awesome. Okay, cool. All right, mate. Well, I'm going to put all those tags at the bottom of the podcast. Um, and yeah, mate, thank you so much. I've learned a lot, definitely. And I hope everyone that listens has as well. So thank you so much. All right, it was a bit technical. Uh, no, that's what I wanted. It's good. <laughs>